family, would you take your Bibles now and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Since we dedicated a precious little baby to the Lord, I, I wondered if you might like to, to hear a story about, a, about a, a baby. Would you like to hear one? Yes, I'm glad you do, because I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> well, here it is. A little, a little boy asked his mother where he came from, and also where she had come from as a baby. Well, his mother gave him a tall tale about a beautiful white feathered bird. The boy ran into the next room and asked his grandmother the same question, where she came from. And he received a variation on the bird story as well. He then went outside to his little friend and he said to his friend, you know, you know, there hasn't been a normal birth in our family for three generations. <laughs> Amen. Some of you are just getting it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, in 1 Peter we discover a, a wonderful, a wonderful group of powerful principles that you and I can really be helped by in our individual lives. And now, we want to read the first seven verses in 1 Peter, where it says this. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Verse 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Verse 6, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you, may, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire, as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Let's pause right there. Let's discover 
some more powerful principles from Peter. This is our third message. And in the first two messages, we simply got to the first couple of verses. In fact, we didn't even finish everything in the second verse. And that's where we begin today. And so the first truth I want to share with you today is this. It's good news. God is able to give you and me more grace and peace. More grace and peace. And this truth is clearly stated in the latter part of verse 2, where it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace. Now, that's the New Living Translation from the original Greek. The New International Version, which I'm sure many of you have in front of you, the New International Version says, Grace and peace be yours in what? In abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. And so that's what, that's what Peter is saying. May God give you more grace and peace. Question, what? What is grace? What is grace? What's he, what's he talking about? Well, Dr. W.T. Perkheiser, in a wonderful commentary that he, he wrote, says this. He says, grace is the beautiful New Testament word for the undeserved favor and help of God. That's what it is. Undeserved favor and help of God. Then I was reading in Dr. William Barclay's book, and... Um, he says that the whole basic idea of the word grace is this, that of a free and undeserved gift of something given to a person unearned and unmerited, unearned, a gift given that is unearned and unmerited, something which comes from God's grace and which could never have been achieved or attained or possessed by a person's own effort. And so, my friends, in short, in short, grace is undeserved favor and help of God. That's what it is. And I want to say to you today, may you experience grace, the undeserved favor and help of the Lord. May you experience this grace in your spiritual life, in your, in your family, in your relationships with family members. May you experience this grace in, in your workplace or school for those that are, those of you in school. May you experience this grace in your health, in your finances, in your times when you need to make difficult decisions. Amen? In the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks, talks uh, about how Three times, three times he pleaded with God to take away a thorn in his flesh which tormented him. He said, God, take away this thorn in my flesh. Now the Bible never tells us what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. We're not told. Personally, I suspect that his thorn in the flesh was migraine headaches. Migraine headaches, but no one knows for sure. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, we read this. 
Three, time I plead, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, the Lord said to me, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, said the Lord to the Apostle Paul. And he says it to you and me. My grace is sufficient for you. Beloved, whatever you are facing, be encouraged. Be encouraged because God's grace is sufficient for you and me. God's favor and help is sufficient for us. Someone picked up on this truth and Johnson Flint, and wrote these beautiful words to this hymn. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he added his mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. And the next verse says, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Hallelujah. And then the latter part, the latter part of 1 Peter 1, verse 2 says, May God give you more and more grace and peace. And peace. What is peace? What exactly is he talking about? Well, peace is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew greeting and benediction, shalom. It's the equivalent of shalom. One of the Bible scholars I was reading says, peace means not only harmony and serenity, but wholeness, wholeness and health. My friends, may God give you and me May God give us more and more peace. That's harmony, serenity, wholeness, and health. Peace. Knowing that if you have repented of your sins, you are forgiven and adopted into the family of God. May God give you peace. Peace that is Harmony in your home situation or at work, knowing that you have committed the problem, knowing that you have committed the issue into God's hands 
who loves you and loves your family. Amen. Next Sunday, as I mentioned earlier, next Sunday, we are asking you to make a monthly pledge towards our mortgage fund for the next year. May God, may God give you peace. Peace by knowing that whatever your pledge will be, it will be the best you can give each month to help us pay our monthly church mortgage. Thank you for the pledge that you will make next Sunday. And may God bless you. May God also give you peace in regards to your health. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As verse 2 says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. Let it happen, Lord. Let it happen. Lord, give, give to our people. Give to our people here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Lord, give to our radio listeners and our internet listeners more and more grace and peace. Let it be so. Let it be so. There's a second powerful principle that I want to invite you to focus on now. The second one today is this. Praise God for the privilege of being born again spiritually and for the promise of heaven. This truth is stated in, in verses 3 and, and 4. And verse, three says, verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that what? We have been born again. Read it with me from the big screen. That we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The term, the term born again refers to a spiritual birth, a starting point spiritually that you and you and each one of us can have. Jesus used this concept of a, of a new birth when, when Jesus explained salvation to Nicodemus. The story is told about Nicodemus in, in the Gospel of, of John chapter 3 where we read uh, briefly here this account. John 3, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Amen? The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Jesus said, you must be born again. Have you been born again spiritually? Have you, have you had a time when you said, when you said, and you can look back and say, this was the time when I was born again. How can you be born again? Well, you can be born again by repenting of your sins. The Bible says repent and believe. Believe what? Believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins and yours and yours and yours and yours up in the balcony and for your sins, radio listeners. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for each one of our sins. And so as we repent and believe in Jesus and we commit ourselves, as we say, Lord, I commit my heart, I commit my life to you, I dedicate my life to you, the Bible says we are born again. We begin our spiritual birth. Just as, just as our precious baby that was dedicated today had that physical birth, that, that, that moment when he came into this world, there can be a time when each one of us have a spiritual birth. I want to invite you today to say this is the day when I have chosen my spiritual birth. This is the day when I will repent of my sins, believe in Christ, and commit my heart, my life to Jesus, and live my life dedicated to the Lord. Will you do that today? At the end of this message, I'm going to give you a chance to get up out of your seat, to come and kneel or stand at this altar and say, Lord, on this day, I may not understand everything, but on this day, I want to be born again, as Jesus said in the Holy Bible. Amen? And you know what? When you are born again spiritually, you receive a wonderful promise. Each one of us, it is the promise of heaven. The promise starts to be spoken of at the end of verse 3 and uh, goes into verse 4. Here it is. The end of verse 3 says, Now we live with great expectation. Great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach beyond the reach of change and decay. Isn't that beautiful? We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Now sometimes, occasionally, someone will say to me, Pastor Nick, you have, you, have, you have officiated so many funerals. Sometimes someone will say, Pastor, you have officiated so many funerals that it's probably no big deal for you 
to hold a funeral. And I've said to a person who has said those things in a well-meaning fashion, I've said, brother or sister, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Even though I've held hundreds of funerals over the years, emotionally, no matter, no matter if the deceased is young or old, I have a very hard time holding every funeral. I have a very hard time because whether the person is young or old, I know that that person has been loved, loved, loved by family members, loved by friends. And I know that there are some folks who are hurting, and usually there are many folks who are hurting badly because of the passing of that loved one. And so for me, it, is, it, it, it has never been, a, oh, well, it's just another funeral. No, 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 no. And I, I'm sure it's not like that for Dr. Lisa or Pastor, Pastor Yanni or other ministers who hold funerals, okay? But I'll tell you what, the one thing, the one thing that really helps me when I hold funerals, whether it's the funeral of someone who's older or whether it's a funeral such as as I had just last week of a precious two-month-old baby, the one thing that helps me is that I, when, when that person has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I know in my heart and mind that person's eternal home is heaven. Person's home is heaven. And that helps me as a pastor, as a friend, a huge amount. It helps me incredibly. And I hope it would also help you in your time of grief, in your time of need. One hymn writer speaks of heaven in the following way. And and, and personally, I'm so glad that so so many families ask Ask us to sing this hymn at, at funerals. I, I, I'm really so, so, so pleased that, that people will often say, Pastor, could, could we sing that song that talks about heaven? And they are often referring to this, this wonderful hymn, When We All Get to Heaven. The verse says, Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Isn't that beautiful? While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. The third verse says, Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. Verse 4, onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout 
the victory. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God for the privilege of being born again and, and, and for the promise of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me take you to a third beautiful, powerful truth. And it is this. This might be a little difficult for some folks to fully grasp. You have to really think about it. Third is this. Read it with me. Be encouraged. As you keep your faith, God is protecting you until you reach heaven. Now this truth is stated in verse 5. Here it is. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, referring ultimately salvation in heaven, till you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Dr. Alan Stibbs, in his commentary on verse 5, says this. He says, not only, not only is this wonderful heavenly inheritance prepared for our enjoyment, but we, for whom it is divinely intended, are being continuously guarded, guarded, and so preserved throughout the whole of our earthly pilgrimage by nothing less than divine power, by divine power, in order that we may safely reach the goal of its full possession, meaning heaven. Here we have expressed the unmistakable confidence of the apostolic writers that God himself will see that those who are called to share in the fulfillment of this promise of an inheritance will all safely reach the goal of its full enjoyment. Amen. I read several other Bible scholars to see what they had to say about verse, verse 5. I, I read it and kept reading it. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Ultimately, ultimately, what Peter, I believe, is saying is that God wants, God wants to help you and me keep the faith. He wants to help us keep the faith so that we make it to heaven. Are you with me now? He wants to help us. He wants to help us. And that verse, that verse says, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. And I say, Lord, help our people. Help our people here, here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. Help the dear people in other churches across the city of Toronto. Help each one, oh God, to keep the faith. There are many things, there are many things that will try to get people off track, try to get believers off the faith. And the good news is the Lord wants to help us keep the faith. Amen? So I say to you, keep the faith. And remember, Remember, 
God, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful truths, these powerful truths that, that come forth from these first few verses of 1 Peter. Oh, Lord, may you help each of us to get a grip on them, to enjoy them, and to live them out. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.